As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Hey, guys. Joelle here. Just wanted to take a moment to ask for your help. Michael, Matt, and I devote a ton of time, energy, blood, sweat, tears, and a lot of our own money in keeping this podcast going for you. We're really lucky to have a couple awesome sponsors that help us along the way, but we really need some support from you guys to keep this going in 2015. We're doing two episodes a week, and that's over a 100 episodes a year of just awesome content that we're bringing you that you can take back into your business and do things a little bit better every week. What we've done is we've put together some really awesome gifts for you that you can get at rocketship.fm forward slash 2015. And we've got a great book that's got some of the best of the best quotes and photos of our guests from 2014. We've got posters that can keep your team motivated and a super cool t-shirt that Michael designed. 
If none of that sounds enticing to you, you can also just donate cold, hard cash. We take that too. So please support us in 2015 and help us bring you another year of awesomeness. Rocketship.fm forward slash 2015. Thanks so much, guys. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome to the Rocketship Podcast. This is Michael Saka. And I'm Joelle Steiniger. Today we talked with Zach Agisco, the Chief Growth Officer at Creative Market. Uh, Michael, what do you think of this talk with Zach? Yeah, I loved his approach to doing things early that don't scale, which we hear a lot about. But he kind of talks about his personal experience at uh, Creative Market and what they did early on to kind of win over people. He talks about the emotional side, which I thought was really awesome. I don't know, what, what did you? What was your takeaway? Well, I, I just like the emphasis he puts on the whole user experience as a whole, going beyond just your app, but. You know, the non-scalable things like getting on the phone with your customers and really getting to know them and talking and getting out there in person and, and all the things that are the blood, sweat and tears early on that a lot of people like to avoid are really the things that work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's get into it. Before we get started, we'd like to take a moment to thank our sponsors. Hover takes all the hassle and friction out of registering your next domain name. And if you don't believe me, just ask my wife, Carmen. Hey, babe. Yeah. I need a new website. All right, well, you need to, to get a domain name. <sighs> How do I do that? Do you have a domain name? Yes. No. 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 I don't. Okay. <laughs> I need one. Just use my Hover account. What's what's a Hover? So, Hover, H O V E R, dot com. Okay. And just search for, for whatever domain you want. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Okay, I can do that. Go to hover.com. Get 10% off your entire first purchase by using the code SOEASY. That's Hover.com and the code SOEASY. CodeShip makes continuous delivery simple and easy. For those of you just getting started, CodeShip has a generous free plan with five private projects included and 100 builds per month. Not enough? You get 20% off three months just for being a Rocketship listener. Plus, the team over at CodeShip spent the past few months talking to customers and just launched a complete redesign of their app with better usability. Go to CodeShip.com Rocketship to sign up today. Customer.io is a modern email platform built for startups. Go to Customer.io Rocketship to start sending emails that convert. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. About creative market. Yeah, so Creative Market is a marketplace for graphic design assets. So we are a platform to allow independent creators around the globe sell their digital wares. And so we have things on the site like graphics and stock photos and WordPress themes and fonts, illustrations, things like that. Who's your core uh, customer on that? It's mostly designers, but okay. we also see that we have marketers and, and you know entrepreneurs and small business people as well. 
Very cool. So you recently did a talk um, at Sean Analysis Conference on non-scalable growth techniques or growth hacks. What are some of your or favorite techniques that, that you've seen work? I think like less technique of more just like getting to know your customer is just really core. I think in the early days, it's it's really just about hustling, you know, just trying to make a wowing experience in, in your UX. And I think that a lot of people relate UX to just like the, the interface design, but I, it's, it's really the whole package. And so that's everything from, you know, the first time the customer touches the website to, you know, if they contact support and they have a problem, like that whole thing is, is the experience and it all just has to be awesome in the early stage because what you're really trying to do is, is win word of mouth at the end of the day, you know, you could, you could tune all the viral tricks and hacks, you know, to the cows come home but at the end of the day, it's all about word of mouth. You just have to have this really awesome product that people love, and they're going to tell their friends about it no matter what triggers you put in your software to help help them uh, get the word out. But yeah, real quickly, like one of my favorite things that we did you know, in the early days is that you know, we're a two-sided marketplace. And on the seller side, when a shop would sell their first – when they would make their first sale, we would write a hand – written thank you note on this really nice like letter pressed card stock this this bill fold and we put a crisp dollar bill inside and just write like you know thanks for selling with us here's here's your first dollar you earned on creative market and we'd mail that out to uh to people no matter where in the world they were because they'd have to give us their address for the for the payouts so we had that on on file so we were able to do that so i thought that was really cool and it's one of those things that's really hard to measure but we just got so much love and and you know we got some social you know, shares from it too, but it's just really just build, building that, like that brand trust in the early days. So you mentioned when we were talking earlier that you are channel agnostic, that you don't believe that there's like one way to really bring your customers into your product. So in the beginning, how do you test and find among the different channels, something that might work? What are, what are some ways that you can start finding that traction? You know, again, I think it's, it's really, I think thinking about the non-scalable stuff, I think that a lot of startups make the mistake of jumping right into like, okay, now it's, I just launched a product. Now it's time to go viral. I need, you know, a hundred thousand users by next week. There's, there's really, uh, five ways to scale. Um, I, the one thing I like to do is just really simplify, you know, a lot of things. And, um, Andrew Chin had this great blog post about there's really only five ways to scale your business. It's like paid acquisition, virality, SEO, build a sales team or have like really big partnerships with, with big brands. All five of those things are really, really hard to do and take a really long time to execute. So in the early days, you know, it's really about the non-scalable stuff, getting to know your customer, you know, the, the easiest way to, you know, bootstrap your first uh, users and customers is just to invite your family and friends, get those people on board, start listening to the feedback that they have on your product and, and really start to grow from there. You know, I think that, Folks that that you know really looking to grow really really fast out the gate, you rarely see uh, success with those tactics. I just thought of an example right now of uh, a company Sprig here in San Francisco, who is a uh, they're a meal delivery business. They're kind of like Uber for chef crafted uh, healthy meals. And one thing they did is that they had they hired some some guys to to stand at the BART stations, the Bay Area subways, and had a stack of flyers. And on the back of the flyer was a coupon for a free lunch. 
the cool thing about that is that hundreds of thousands of people commute into San Francisco every day. Um, so you can easily, you know, have five people stop at each of those five uh, subway stops and, you know, just hand deliver, talk to people, you know, face to face and say, hey, do you want a free lunch? Try out this new service. You know, the first one's on us. That's a really easy way to to overnight get a couple thousand you know users to your brand new app. Yeah, we talked recently actually with uh, a company here in San Diego called Housecall, another marketplace app where people can um, hire people to come to their house and do whatever tasks need to be done, you know, cleaning, plumbing, whatever. And what they did that was not scalable in the beginning is they actually went out to people's houses themselves and helped with things before they had the other side of the equation, some of the vendors to do that. So they would drive out themselves and set up someone's Wi-Fi or yeah, do, what, totally. do what they could. And that, I mean, to yeah, me, that's the epitome of hustle. Totally. And you hear about the early days of Airbnb, of those, the founders, you know, with having the cameras hanging from their neck and just going door to door in New York City and taking pictures of, of everyone's listings personally. So that's what it really takes in the early days. And it's, it's just a lot of sweat and, and hard work, but, you know, it pays off if people really love the product and service. Yeah, totally. So for Creative Market, what was your key differentiator in the early days that made people pick you over some of the other marketplaces where you could buy similar assets? Yeah. So, I mean, we approached Creative Market to, I mean, we kind of made a, a laundry list of why all the other marketplaces suck. And we decided to do the, the exact opposite. So for one, you know, if you look at iStock or, or even like the Envato network and, and some of these other bigger marketplaces that have been around for a really long time, you know, they take 70% of the, of the revenue and then give the creator of the asset 30%. You know, those percentages can change based on, you know, different things. But we decided to do the reverse. So we give 70% to the creators and we only keep 30%. We think that's a much uh, fair value proposition. You know, the other thing is that the other marketplaces set the prices for the creators. We allow our, our shops to set their own prices. Other marketplaces have exclusivity agreements. So they lock you in. You can only sell goods on their website. We allow you to sell on our site, your own site, any other marketplace. It's completely open and free. You know, so we have a whole list of, of things that, that separate us from the competition. But then at the end of the day, too, we have a, uh, an application process to sell with us. And we still hand vet all the designers who upload their wares. And so as a result, we have only really high quality stuff or mostly really high quality stuff in our catalog. So that really stands out when you shop on Creative Market versus, you know, iStock Photo, which has a bunch of those like cheesy, like business people in the blue shirts and <laughs> yep. the office settings <laughs> and pointing fingers. <laughs> totally. <laughs> so A lot of this stuff in the beginning is, like you said, it's really hard to measure. You got to just kind of believe in what you're doing and go that extra mile. But what kind of indicators do you look for to know that that what you're doing is really worth your time and effort versus putting that time and effort elsewhere when you're obviously spread pretty thin? Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really comes back to the product and, and delivering just this awesome delight to your users. And the, and the cool thing about when you're in this like hustle stage, and I, I like to think that there's, there's three stages of growth, right? So there's product market fit, there's a, on one end of the scale, and then there's the scalable part of the curve where it's just taking off. But then there's this big middle chunk that's that I like to call the hustle stage. And that's really just the blood, sweat, and tears of like, okay, you have a product, you've had a signal that people they like this idea. Now it's like, how do you how do you now get you have you have maybe like fifty or a hundred users. Now how do you go get a thousand or ten thousand users? And so during that time, 
when you have like a thousand users on your service, like you know these people, you know, at least you know the active people by first and last name, you know their face. You know, the cool thing you could do is like add a forum to your site, add a discussion board, or or just shoot e- shoot emails to these people and like get to know them and on a personal basis and be like, hey, you know, we're young, we're we're just we're trying to figure this thing out. Tell us what you like, tell us what you don't like. And and that's that not only does that build a relationship between you and your customer, but also gives you those signals that you need to build a better product that can then help you go, you know, attract your next ten thousand customers. Yeah, and it fits perfectly in what you were saying about UX. I mean, that is that is part of your UX is those conversations and those relationships. Exactly. I mean, there's a story of uh, this. <laughs> we had this like 85 year old guy um, buy a buy a font. It's a really expensive font. It was like 70 bucks or something. But he bought this font. Had no idea how to install a font on his computer. And then after like three or four emails back and forth with our support team. Our head of support just gave him a call and like sat on the sat on the phone for over an hour to help this guy install the font. Even showed him how to use Word <laughs> with the font and everything. So, um, like that guy left the the phone call happy, like he was a happy customer after that. He's probably not going to be a repeat customer, but you know that's that's the type of thing. Like you just want to make sure that you know in the early days you only have a handful of people using your thing, and each one of those people are so important to this to the next phase. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would, talking of phases, I'd love to hear, you recently talked on Growth Hacker TV about the dark side of scaling fast. And I'd love to hear about some of those incidents where you feel like you guys grew a little bit too fast and maybe had to play catch up or, or couldn't keep up with the with the growth. Could you expand on that? Yeah. So I started a couple, uh, start, started a site or a product called Branch Out with some friends a couple of years ago in 2012. We were one of the fastest growing apps on the Facebook platform grew to about you know 30 million users in about a little over 90 days really fast growth story ended up raising 49 million dollars it was a big play to become like a professional network on facebook and what happened there is that you know it it was kind of it's actually hard to explain like yes we had scalability problems yes we had like internal like management problems on where to go but i mean looking back like we went to from like five guys in a hundred square foot office, you know, to over 50 people in a 30,000 square foot office. We went to like the mayor of San Francisco and, uh, and the governor visiting our, our office. Our CEO was having dinner with Obama and Lady Gaga and all these, like, it was just crazy. It was a whirlwind. And so, I mean, and also just, just adding on engineers, like adding 20 engineers in a month is just, it's just not a good idea. There's just going to be all this like sloppy code, and uh, and and you know what happened is that we we ended up having scaling issues. We also had like platform issues because our business was built on the Facebook app. We also had like investor issues where we were building this app that you know the name of the game was really building out this database that we could then you know sell as a as a sourcing tool to recruiters and salespeople. And at the time, all the Facebook apps were being measured on MAU and DAU engagement metrics. Um, which were really important to social games, and we weren't a social game. We were we had a different business model, and so we were st- we kept getting pressure from investors to, to move in a different different path. And we took their advice, and, and looking back, it was it was the wrong advice. How has that changed your perspective going into creative market? It just it, it's, it's two different models. First of all, I think that with creative market, like with with branch out, we were definitely a viral channel specific that's all we focused on we we built a growth team around you know our first experience our registration flow 
and just tuned the hell out of it. Probably did, you know, hundreds of, of iterations on, on that flow of A-B tests and optimizations. Built like this super tuned viral machine. With Creative Market, it's just not something that is going to get viral. It's not something that you're going to invite all your friends to like come shopping for fonts, you know, with you. It's, it's not uh, that social network play. So it was a different beast. So, you know, my background's in design. And so I knew that when I would start a new project, you know, the first place I would hit up for assets would be Google. And, you know, I came on board just after the site launched and we had basically zero SEO, you know, kind of looking at what the name of the game for, for kind of hacking SEO, you know, on one side is like the technical side and making sure that your site is as easily crawlable by the bots as possible. But on the other side of the game, it's really just maximizing the amount of inbound links in the shortest amount of time possible. And so we built a content strategy. Nice. So I'd like to go back to just the investor advice, if you don't mind for a second. Yeah. Did, did you have a feeling when you were when you were getting the advice? Did, were you on board with it? Did you did you know that there may be something wrong with the direction that you were going in? At the time, it was a little fuzzy. But yeah, our founding team was basically split, I think. And I think that you know, we were in, it was just, we were in this new territory. No one has had done what we have had done at that time. And so really there was like all these, these roads to travel on, but we had LinkedIn and we had this, like this roadmap built out for us. We already knew what worked. Now LinkedIn's this $22 billion company, this huge, you know, beast. We could have been, you know, a billion dollar company. Now, you know, that company was just acquired by Hearst and, you know, everything, you know, ended well, but it could have been a much bigger company if we would have stuck to our original game plan and not became distracted and went down a bunch of other other avenues that just burnt a lot of money and burnt a lot of resources. So Yeah, has that affected like your gut instinct at all? Have you learned to trust that anymore in these kind of decisions? Cool thing about creative market is that the executive team, like we're all kind of experts in our own domain. And so in terms of growth people trust me to to make the right call. So that's that's pretty cool in the current environment. I think looking back at Branch Out, there was just so many people that were growth was all we really had. We were just growing so fast and you know, it, it, the name of the game was really just keeping the site online. We we built out these like uh, the series of like health metrics and we built a team to monitor those metrics 24 hours a day you know, every two, three hours, because the site just kept going down, which couldn't handle the the weight of all the growth. So really growth kind of became the focus of the company. And we kind of missed the opportunity to really fine tune the product itself. It's a great lesson. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing this with us. Tell everyone, where can we keep up with you and Creative Market online? Yeah, so I mean, Creative Market has a great blog. It's just creativemarket.com forward slash blog. And then I have a blog as well that I rarely <laughs> update, unfortunately, <laughs> but uh, zach.onisco.com. Very cool. Thank you so much. Thank you. Cool. Thanks, Zach. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And while you're there, make sure you sign up for our newsletter, where twice monthly we send out actionable advice for entrepreneurs and exclusive links to AMAs with our guests. That's rocketship.fm. Sign up today. You never show. Said it would be alright
Thank you.